Welcome to another episode of Corporate CPR, where we breathe life back into your organization, projects, and processes, giving you insights to recovery and avoiding corporate mortality events. Today, we'll be talking about how you can understand your digital health and why it's important. And joining us to contribute to the conversation is Sharon Park. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you, Jana. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being here. Would love to hear about your background. Sure. Um, so I come from 10 years working at Google Corporate. Uh, all of those years were, were in marketing, advertising, particularly around performance advertising, the kind of advertising where you put in a dollar and hopefully take out two or more. Performance mm-hmm. ads, it's what I do. It's, it's what I live for. And about five years ago, I started Sage Digi. We're a specialist advertising firm. And we focus all on performance ads across many different industries. While I was at Google, I had the privilege of working on over a thousand different businesses of all sizes. But the sweet spot really for for me were businesses that are village size looking to grow to city size. So that thousand plus headcount company that's looking, they just got some serious investments and they want to grow double every year for the next few years. That's what I specialize in doing. Excellent. Well, we're talking about um, digital health and maybe, you know, we should set some definitions around that, what that even means. So can you share, you know, what what um, we should be thinking of when we're thinking of our digital health? Sure. So in my world, digital health is website health. So digital can mean a lot of things like your software, mm-hmm. et cetera. But let's just talk about website health. In one world is your organic website traffic. People who come to your traffic either directly because they know your domain, bless them, or people who do a quick Google search for project genetics and boom, you're there. You're there. That's one way. And the second way primarily is paid advertising, your search ads. Um, and then there's some others like email contributes, affiliates or what have you. But those are the two major bodies, your paid and organic search listings. When I look at the health, the digital health of a business, I look at how well the website is performing. So Mm -hmm. how are all those people flowing through your website to learn about your business, to gain trust, and then take an action? Those are the kinds of things we take a look at, look at the industry benchmarks, where are there opportunities, major opportunities to begin with, and then incremental opportunities that do translate to very meaningful dollars for a business. Mm. And so when you're talking about um, health, I guess, how do I know if I have an unhealthy uh, website, an unhealthy um, advertising campaign or program? Sure. So it's an individual case basis, but I would say the first place to start, it's very easy, is a tool called SEMrush. It's a recognized industry-wide as a very important tool where you can look up your own domain and see what is your domain authority score. That's mm-hmm. a score between one and 100 that gives you a approximate understanding of how, um, how does Google consider your page in terms of importance, 100 being very high. So a page like New York Times, their domain authority may be above 90. A page like bobslawblog.com might get a domain authority of like 30. And so take a look there. Um, That's a really good place to start. And then you want to start looking at what are the goals of your business? 
are you looking to grow lead gen? And mm -hmm. is that happening currently? And how is that happening as a portion between paid and unpaid? Usually businesses that are in the 1,000 employee space, I'm talking around 100 million in revenue and above, typically paid and unpaid are about 50-50. So that's a good benchmark to have. Are you getting about half your web traffic through organic methods? And what could you do to improve that? So that's like a really nice place to start. If more of your website traffic acquisitions coming through paid ads, then you know that you have some work to do on your organic search search rankings. Mm. Well, obviously, um, you know, website is kind of that base marketing um, tool and um, and marketing itself can and sometimes be directly related to um to market share, whether or not people can find you and are buying from you. So, you know, what are you, what do you see when, um, you know, as we talk about mortality events, I guess, how, how do you see, you know, um, the strategy behind your, your website and your paid advertising connecting to um, the profitability of a company or the revenue growth of a company? So if we tie, if you tie your website to revenue growth and market share where you are doing in the business, there's a couple of good ways to benchmark how you're doing. The first is your Google ads impression share report. That is located within your ads account and it'll tell you exactly what percent of the auctions you're eligible to win. You'll see your competitors. And these are not directly your industry competitors, right? These are competitors based on the keywords you want to win on. So if you're a management consulting firm, you want to win on terms like uh, management con consulting in my area. Like that, that would be highly profitable for you. And so it'll tell you you're winning 20% of the time, 30% of the time. So you could raise your bids and budgets to win more. That's a really great place to start. Um, obviously, you know, well, there's so many places to put your marketing dollars and it can be really hard to, I guess, decide what, um, best. So, you know, what are some of those tactics that you can use to assess where to put your dollars versus not to? Now we get into like a philo philosophical portion uh, of our conversation, which is good. I think in marketing, as a marketer, I think that focusing on the top of the funnel is the most important thing to do. And it's the hardest, it's the hardest pill to swallow because you're telling folks, don't expect an immediate return on these campaigns. Focusing hmm. on that top of the funnel and making your brand name something that CEOs and decision makers in your industry you know, it resonates with them, but they know that you even exist is important. Then after that, you move on down and put some marketing dollars towards the consideration phase of the funnel. So this would be like offering case studies, offering webinars, and in exchange, you're asking for people's email addresses. But then you'll host a nice one hour session with a expert in their field and give them content that would be helpful to the business. Then at the bottom of the funnel, this is the performance part of the funnel where you're looking for people who are actively searching and today are in market to hire, to hire or make a purchase. 
that's the smallest portion of the population to to address. And uh, you will see, you know, there's good returns at that portion of the funnel, but it is shaped, you know, like this, and that's the smallest number of people to address. So that's why a full funnel marketing program is so important. It Once you burn up everybody who's in market today, like what are you doing to like grow that funnel for tomorrow? In that way, since the theme of this podcast would be avoiding corporate mortality, mortality events, focusing mid to upper, upper funnel is very, very important because it builds mm. it builds resilience for your business through mm. economic shrinkages. It builds in a moat around your business around pricing differences with competitors because you've already shared the value of what it is you're going to bring to a company. There is some trust and belief as leads flow in through the door. Um, you, you know, you mentioned that, um, you obviously help a lot of companies who maybe hit some turbulent times and you've seen um, some turnaround stories. Would love to hear maybe some of your case studies because I find kind of those practical examples can really help, um, you know, other organizations relate to, you know, what might be happening in their company. Absolutely. Just this week, I finished a digital health assessment for a company they have a thousand employees and a thousand contractors. They're in the education mm-hmm. space, and a brand new CEO was brought in about six weeks ago. This CEO came in because previous CEO had a 30% downturn in the business, mainly for COVID-specific reasons, but they were not able to turn that to turn that drop around and the business kept contracting. So I did a digital health report and we looked at both the organic side of paid average, uh, the organic side of website traffic and the paid side of website traffic. On the organic side, we saw a massive drop that happened about nine months ago. And I asked the team, why hasn't this traffic been regained? Or why is Mm -hmm. it not the company's eight number one priority to regain this traffic? Like there's a lot of nuances in a company. So as a consultant, I got to ask those questions. There really was not a clear answer. And so it became very clear to me, like I must press upon this team, like regaining your organic search results has to be your top priority. At the same time though, as a new CEO coming on to a business that is experiencing a crunch in cash flow, that person's going to be under immense pressure to shrink budgets, right? And the the quickest budgets to cut was likely <laughs> marketing, headcount and marketing. Mm-hmm. And um, the really the corporate, you know, the death event here would be a cut in paid ads when organic search results are already shrinking. Mm. The company is now 60, 70% dependent on paid ads for traffic. But if you cut that budget, then all of a sudden your budget, your company's not 30% down, you're 40, 50% down. So how will that growth re- reoccur? It's very mm-hmm. important to protect that performance budget, even also to double down and invest more in the middle of the funnel and get mm-hmm. people to be more aware of your brand name and to understand, hey, what's unique about my business? What is the sparkling carrot? What is the sparkling um, glimmering difference here 
And this is why you should consider us when you're ready to purchase. That is an ad campaign that is very, very important to undertake in these kinds mm -hmm. of situations. Um, and what do you, what do you find the, I guess the biggest mistakes, um, companies do, I mean, besides cutting it, um, cutting the budget, do you see other things that they, you know, in their reactionary modes, make some missteps mm -hmm. that, that don't end up helping, you know, recover their, their market share? I think a couple of different things. Mm -hmm. One is relying on a more than one source of truth for revenue data. That is the consultant worth paying for right away. Our, is our attribution being done perfectly? Mm. At which point you can make some solid decisions, right? But I sifted through on this per particular case, I sifted through thousands of rows of data, three different dashboards. And so I really couldn't say without questioning further, like which is the right number that we should be looking at. So getting the attribution mm -hmm. right should be the top priority. Mm -hmm. um, another way where businesses could fumble, I think, is spending too long in that analysis paralysis and not taking action. SEO, so search engine optimization, happens on the scale of years, not in the scale of months or quarters. So investing in new content, original content, video-based content, things that we're doing right this second, hosting podcasts, generating content for your, for your website, getting other businesses to link to your website is an activity that should be happening with intensity, search engine optimization, because it's, it's about next year. We're planting an orchard mm -hmm. here uh, where, where there's no like very like low lying fruit in SEO. I think, you know, one third common mistake may be not asking the very blunt, tough questions. Mm -hmm. Such as and, uh, I would imagine such as why hasn't, you know, it's been nine months since these, you know, these pages were taken down and we took a 30% hit in search engine optimization. So why haven't they been set live? Mm. Or like, what is stopping this from being set live today? Mm -hmm. You mentioned, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. It's, there there are many reasons and a lot of them are have have to do with you know being human to human business you got to like you know tread lightly sometimes there are many teams that mm -hmm. are contributing but really to ask that tough question why why not set that page live today mm. you mentioned um you know you're building a or you're growing planting an orchard so i mean i guess that's one thing could you dive in a little bit more obviously you know um I like to say we live in a microwave society, so we want instant results. What, you know, how much time do we have to expect to um, wait to start seeing results or, or how do you know you're headed the right way versus needing to pivot? Yeah. In search engine optimization, you need to look at year over year data. And so, you know, Larry Page, one of the founders of Google, his patented process is the page rank. Page rank mm -hmm. means however many high, you know, high domain authority legitimate websites are pointing to your website will then determine if your website's worth being at the top of Google. That's page rank. Or mm -hmm. it's hard to do. 
And search engine optimization agencies, they write original content or they ask to host guest content with other websites that are good quality. Imagine being the editor of Forbes, you're getting thousands of requests to backlink to other pages. So this mm -hmm. kind of thing takes relationship building. It takes time to plant all these links throughout the, throughout the internet. And little by little, you will see growth. Um, but that kind of turnaround, it, it takes many backlinks. For example, for example, this particular um, education firm I was talking about, they have 2.8 million backlinks. <laughs> so to make wow. a dent, <laughs> to make a dent, you're going to want to do 100 a month. And at the end of the year, you'll have 1,200 more backlinks. Well, that sounds kind of, I guess, daunting. I mean, obviously, it, it, that, it, it seems easier for a company like New York Times or something like that, who their, their industry is um, information. Um, mm -hmm. But if, if, you know, if you're just a company who's, it sounds like you have to be blogging or something then to be doing this, like how, how do you do that if it's not your, um, you know, how do you get enough backlinks and things if, the, you know, that's not your primary focus of your business is like information sharing? Yeah, that's a um, great question, Jana. You got to hire out. It's an mm -hmm. agency's job. They do it all day long. They have a Rolodex of thousands of publishers that they have relationships with already. So they can move much faster than, you know, a business that's focused on something else. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely worth hiring out and you need a technical firm that's going to do that. There are well-known SEO agencies and paying out between five to $10,000 a month for SEO is an important thing to do. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and how about the company who maybe is more referral-based? You know, when do they start to transition to um actually getting website grow you know website business or you know um business driven through through advertising versus um you know hey so and so recommended me to you you know maybe more of the like the lawyers or you know consultants or you know those types of industries yeah um that's a great question lawyers consultants ad agencies these are all relationship driven companies mm, there is a yeah. lot of growth to be had though a ton mm. of business to be had through backlinking and affiliates and seo for example lawyers are so competitive in online ads that a single click to a law, to a law firm could be $100 and they're mm. paying that rate because they do monetize you know, they do monetize coming in with no prior relationship. They just have proof points. And so in businesses like ours, relationship-driven businesses, we have to establish some initial touch points by giving away free information. Hmm. So let's say it takes three, four touch points. Um, okay, okay. So if someone's a referral, typically you're going to close that person. If it's the right match, you're going to close them in one to two calls. You're going to scope out what they need, say, hey, you know, your bestie told me to work with you. So here it is. This is our price. We're fair. Let's go. And it moves fast in referrals. Mm -hmm. It will probably be double or triple that time if you don't have that referral, but business still closes. So then you want content on your website that's like, here are some case studies. Here's a video mm -hmm. of us in action. 
here's what the first 10 weeks of business together looks like here. Our framework for a proven points of success, that's all there. Uh, and there's a lot of gains to be had. So your question was, when is it appropriate to start your SEO, SEM? It's when you can afford it. And so mm-hmm. if you could pay, invest, you know, I would say ten to $15,000 a month in partially in paid ads, partially in SEO, you're going to see some good results. Interesting. Um, you know, I, um, it's always very, I guess, daunting, you know, how do you, in the sense of where you put your marketing, I know your specialty is, is, you know, we're talking about website health or, you know, website and SEO and, and paid advertising, but you know, how do you know when to, um, I guess, uh, it, pay LinkedIn or pay YouTube or, you know, one of those and and put your dollars there instead of um, in SEO? Great question. So typically, if it's your first foray into advertising, I would say start where there could be profits, which is in general, Google search, if you're B2B, LinkedIn is a very powerful platform. Do that right and try to set up over the first two, three months a one and a half to one return on ad spend or two to one return on ad spend. It may take longer if you have a long sales cycle, but your initial goal should be, let's squeeze out some profits here. Then use your profits to move up the funnel and do awareness ads, either on LinkedIn, which is highly effective or through display advertising. I think that's a great place to start. But I really do like to start at the bottom of the funnel. I know earlier I said focus on the top, but if it's your first, first step into advertising, at least we got to get some business out of your dollars initially, and then we can Mm. swim up the funnel together. Mm. Is Um, that helpful? Yeah, you know, though, what what that leads me to is then what are some metrics we should be watching then? Um, You know, how do we know we're getting the return on investment and and know that we should be keep keep putting our dollars in. That's a great question because there's so many metrics. <laughs> yeah. So as a business owner, you should be given a business intelligence dashboard by your agency. One, they should be able to show you without a doubt, are you profitable or not profitable? And then you verify. You're like, that's not mm-hmm. what I've heard from sales. Oftentimes in business, let's assume this is a B2B conversation. Agencies will say like, oh, we're giving you like $50 cost per lead and we've delivered 100 leads. So that's great. But what if your close rate on a lead is less than 5%? Mm -hmm. Then that number changes. What is your cost per contract? That's what I like to look at. So you've paid ads, you've paid your agency, you've paid your sales commission, and now you're closing. You got to know that number, cost per contract, and share. Once, you know, a trusted agency, you can feel free to share. Look, my margin per contract is about 60%. So the ROI has got to beat that. Mm. My close rate is about 5%. So, you know, do the math, get the calculator out. And these are the stats we need to, we need to be. A great CRM like HubSpot, uh, Salesforce, you can ultimately push revenue back into your ads platform. Mm. And so once a contract reaches close, close one means, yeah, let's assume the size of that contract is going to happen. 
push that dollar amount back into the Google Ads platform, figure out which exact keyword drove that contract to close and invest there. That takes that takes about a year of working in paid ads, but ultimately you got to close that loop all the way around, especially in B2B. You know, mm-hmm. sales could be a long cycle. Six months to a year, you're starting to get a very good picture. Hmm. Well, Sharon, this has been really interesting conversation. Would love to hear maybe the three things you want to leave top of mind with folks. Three things. All right. Three things to keep in mind. One, the time to get started is now, even if it's small. Two would be don't try to do it on your own. It's much, it's too much work to do. Bring on an agency that you trust, someone who pledges transparency to you. They pledge, hey, you own your data. I'm going to show you the truth in this data. That type of agency is worth working, is worth working with. Um, I would say number three. Maybe refer back to number one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Number three, <laughs> you know, pl- go ahead and create that content. Mm. I know mm. it's just another thing to do on your to-do list, but a newsletter, a blog, a webinar, mm. these are things that you can outsource to your team, have them generate some thoughtful content and, and use it for mid-funnel marketing. It does, it does pay dividends in the future. And when you hit hard times, don't cut your marketing budget. <laughs> that be if number possible, four? <laughs> if possible, you know, I know the realities of a business, you know, mm-hmm. I own my own PNL. I know what the realities are, but you know, you will come under a lot of pressure from the board or from investors. Why are you spending so much here? And, mm-hmm. you know, sales is about today and marketing is about tomorrow's pipeline. So we don't want to cut that short. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Janice. So what a pleasure. Yeah. And to our audience until next time, keep your organizations healthy.